Hey, what's up? My name is Steven, and I lead Avenue Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, along with my wife and an incredible team. We really have a desire to see people experience God's unconditional love, find their true identity in Christ, and live out their purpose. And we would love to connect with you. You can find us on all social media platforms simply by searching Our Avenue Church. You can also check us out online by going to OurAvenueChurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. Wrapping up a series today called For This I Pray, where we are looking at the life of Hannah, who was a young lady in the Old Testament who was barren. She was the first wife to her husband, but because she could not produce a child, he married another wife that produced multiple children for him. And so Hannah has been wrestling with this insecurity both inwardly because she's not able to provide what a woman in this time frame is supposed to provide. And then she's also um, suffering externally because her husband's second wife, um, Penanae, is... Um, making fun of her, is really putting her down and just making her feel even worse. And then her husband doesn't even understand what she's experiencing. And so we've looked at, as we are praying through the things that God has for us, um, we understand that, that sometimes God is delayed in his answers. And we also understand that sometimes God says no, and it's a denial. And we want to see God only answering prayers when he says what? Yes that anything other than yes is an unanswered prayer, but sometimes the answer is not right now and no. And so we have to understand that when the answer is not right now or it's no, that it's an opportunity for you and I to lean in to God, to align our heart and our will with his heart and his will. And we looked at last week that, that what happens when you're just all prayed out, when you feel like you've ran out of words, you've, you've prayed enough and it's still not, not, not being answered, we saw that Hannah, it says, once more she got up from the table and went to the temple and prayed. And so we have to come to this place to where when we're all prayed out, guess what we do? We pray once more. Well, what happens if I prayed once more and still nothing happens? What do we do? We pray once more. And Jesus illustrates this in one of his teachings in saying that we are to be shamelessly persistent, not just in, in praying for our needs, but in pursuing his will for our life. And so we look in, in, in Hannah's story, and she prayed for years for a son. And God gives her a son, and she goes back to the tabernacle, to the temple, and, and she comes to Eli the priest, and she says, do you remember me? I was the woman that stood here years ago praying for a child, and now God has blessed me with that. And at the end of 1 Samuel chapter 1, it says, and they Worshipped, And now we're going to go to 1 Samuel chapter 2, and we're going to read where, where Hannah is not just pouring out prayers of discontentment and, and prayers of brokenness, but now she's pouring out in praise. And we're going to start in verse 1, and she says this. She says, my heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord, my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. Very similar to what we were just singing, right? It says, verse three, do not keep talking so proudly. 
or let your mouth speak such arrogance. And so she's speaking to her, her husband, speaking at her husband's second wife and her arrogance. And she says, for the Lord is a God who knows, and by him deeds are weighed or deeds are judged. The bows of the warrior, the bows of the warriors are broken, but those who stumbled are armed with strength. Those who were full hire themselves out for food, but those who were hungry are hungry no more. She who was barren has borne seven children or many children, but she who has many sons pines away, or in other words, wastes away. Verse six, the Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's. On them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants, but the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be broken. The Most High will thunder from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed one. Can we pray over God's word? Father, we just come to you, and God, we thank you that your presence is here. God, your word says that we're two or three are gathered together in your name. You are here. Your word says that you are enthroned upon the praises of your people. And so, God, we hold you to your word in believing that you are here. God, your word says that um, it will go out and do exactly what you want it to do, just as the rain and the snow causes things to grow. Um, your word will go out and cause the things that you have in store for us to grow in our life. And so, God, I pray that your word will do what you want it to do in our hearts today. Uh, not what we want, but what you want. In Jesus' name, amen. And so when we're looking at this, Hannah is, is praising. So she went from praying in distress, praying in discontent. And years later, she now finds herself in the temple and she is praising. And to give you some context of, of, of when she's praising... She's not praising in the moment that her child is, is born. She probably did, but what's, what's recorded here is, is not praising in the moment that Samuel is born. She's lifting up her praises after coming back to the tabernacle. And she made the promise that, God, if you will give me a son, his hair will never be cut, and he will serve you for the rest of your life, and I will dedicate him to you. So she is, she is upholding her part of the promise, and it's bringing Samuel back to the temple, and she is leaving him. This isn't mommy's day out, okay? This isn't for a couple of hours, a day a week. This is for the rest of his life. She is taking that which is most precious to her that she has prayed for, and she is bringing it back before the Lord and leaving it there. And as she's leaving it there, and as she is leaving going forward, she is praising forward. And I think about things that I've had to surrender and give up in my life. And I'll be honest, like, like praises in those moments are kind of hard. Anybody else, right? Like, like we have these things in our life that God gives us and they're for a season. And he asks us to surrender those or give those up so that we can go into another season. There is mourning, but there's also reason for praise. And it's, this is very, very similar. Like if you were to read in some of the Psalms, this is, could be called a Psalm of Hannah. 
and that she is praising what God has done. And it's very also similar to, to Mary's praise of Thanksgiving in Luke chapter one, Jesus's mother, after she um, is overcome by the Holy Spirit and is, is pregnant with Jesus, she goes to see her cousin Elizabeth and she has this praise of Thanksgiving and it's very, very similar. It says, he shows mercy from generation to generation. All who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He's scattered the proud and the haughty. He's brought down princes from their thrones. He's exalted the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things and sent the riches away empty handed. Very similar in praise and understanding who God is. And so, what I want us to understand and what I want us to, to remember and not forget. As we come to God and ask him, God, provide for me what I'm asking in this barren season, whether we've been asking for it for a week, a month, or maybe years, that when he opens the heavens and brings that gift to us, answers that prayer, or in our hearts, change of perspective happens, change of understanding of who God is, that we don't just come to him in prayer, but we come back in praise. Because we, when we bring God our disappointments, we must also come back to him and remember to bring our praise. And if, if we're all honest with ourselves, we're real quick to bring God our disappointment. We're, we're real quick to bring our prayer request. We're real quick to bring the things that we want him to show up in, but we're often slow about bringing our praise. Or our praise is maybe short-lived when our requests have been for so long. I would dare to say, like dare to think that, that for those of us who have been praying for things for any lengthy period of time, that whatever that time frame has been, weeks, months, years, hours, days, that whatever time we spent requesting from God, did we give an equal amount of time praising him for what he's done? I've been guilty of not doing that because once I've received what I've wanted, received what I, well, like what God is doing, guess what I'm doing? I'm going on to the next thing. And it reminds me of Luke chapter 17, where Jesus heals the 10 lepers, and he tells them, go and be cleansed, and they're cleansed. How many of them came back and showed gratitude and thanksgiving and praise? One. Out of the 10, only one came back. And, it, and, and he didn't just come back. He came back, and he worshiped he came back and he praised, and Jesus said, go and be well, go and be whole. The other nine just experienced cleansing. Now, I don't know what all that looked like, but it could be that, that the leprosy, it could be that the rashes, whatever it was, they disappeared and they were gone, but there were still repercussions. There were still lasting symptoms from what they had had, but this one guy that came back said, go and be well, go and be whole, that, that everything, there were, there were no lasting symptoms. And it was gratitude and it was praise that brought that. And when we're looking here in Hannah's psalm, it's a reminder of reasons why we should continue to praise. And that we should really give the same amount of time to praise to this, as, as we give to the supplication and the request. And one of the things that we need to remember is, is this, God is our source. In the first couple of verses, she says, my heart rejoices in the Lord. The Lord is my horn. It's lifted up high. My mouth boasts over my enemies. I delight in your deliverance. No one is holy. No one besides you. There is no rock like our God. That God is our source of all things. He's not just a stream. And, and, and what happens is we mistake the streams for the source. 
we mistake the job as our source. The job is just a stream coming from God who is our source. We make the mistake of thinking that our spouse is the source of all of our happiness, all of our joy, all of our fulfillment, but our spouse is not that. Our spouse is just a stream. God is our source. This church, as much as I love Avenue Church, it's just a stream. God is our source of all fulfillment. God is the source of all of our strength. He's our source of what? Hannah says this, says that my heart rejoices in the Lord. God is our source of joy. And I've been thinking about like life in general and just culture in general. How many of us, when we look across people that we know, we look at our lives, we look at social media, we look at news, we just look at culture, how many of you would say that there is a severe lack of joy in our world today? And I've been thinking about this, like, like how do we get back to that? Is, is we're pers- trying to pursue joy and happiness in all these temporal things. But God is the only thing that is eternal. And so the eternal joy is going to come from him. And Jesus even says this in talking with his disciples in John. He says, he says, I tell you these things so that my joy may be full in you so that your joy will overflow. And what is happening is we are trying to get our joy to overflow without having any of his joy in our life. Where do we get his joy? Through worship, through prayer, through his word. And can I even say this? Through consecration, through fasting. Because what we're doing in these seasons is we're taking away these things that give us temporary joy. Guys, I haven't had a cup of coffee in like two weeks. I miss it. (laughs) I miss it. Um... But I'm finding out I can stay awake just as late as I want to without caffeine, (laughs) right? Um, I enjoy a warm cup of coffee. But there are seasons in my life where I allow the joy that the warm cup cup of coffee brings or the caffeine to begin to take control of our life. And then it takes more caffeine to replace what is missing, right? It takes more of whatever temporary thing that we're using just to get us back to baseline. So God is our source of joy. It says God is our source of strength. He says, in the Lord, my horn is lifted high. This, this symbol of, of, of a horn is, is a symbol of strength. And lifted high means that it's strengthened even more. She says, my strength is as strong as it can be. And it's not in the fact that I've now born a child. My strength is in the Lord and is in the Lord alone. And Paul even says this. We're familiar with this New Testament verse. It says, in my weakness, he's telling Paul, he says, in your weakness, my strength is made what? Is made what? Perfect. That, that in our weakness is really when we're in our strongest because it's not our strength that's moving, that's activating, but it's God's strength working in us. And it says, and she says this, I delight in your deliverance. God is our source of salvation. It says he's, he's rescued me. She's recognizing that I didn't rescue myself from this situation, that, that I was barren before, that it was, it was God that rescued me from my enemy, who's his, her, her husband's second wife. He's rescued me. I couldn't do it myself. Um, when God answers, we come back to a place of praise that God is the source. And was having a couple of conversations this week and just really reminded about some things that we said back in November and December when we were looking at the names of God and we talked about that God is, he's Jehovah Jireh, that he is our what? He's, he's our provider. 
and we looked at the story of Abraham, and I just want to remind us, we looked at the story of Abraham where he is praying for a child as well, and God gives him a child, and then God asks for it back. Very similar situation right? God asks for it back. And as they're traveling, Abraham is going to offer his son as a sacrifice. They've got the fire. They've got the wood. Isaac asks, dad, we've got all the supplies, but the sacrifice, where's the sacrifice? And this is Abraham's statement. I just want to remind you of this. Abraham said this, God will provide for himself a lamb for the offering. God will provide for himself a lamb for the offering. And then just we, this week, I was reading in First Chronicles 29, where David is getting everything together to build the temple, that he's getting everything together, all the supplies, all the people. And this is the statement he makes in this. He says, oh, our God, we thank you and we praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we could give anything to you? Everything we have comes from you. And we give you only what you gave us first. God is our source. Everyone say God is our source. He is not going to ask us to give him anything that he won't give us first. And we cannot willingly give him anything unless he gives gives it to us. And so he is our source of all things. And so she goes on to say this. She says, um, my mouth boasts over my enemies. She says, my mouth boasts, and basically what she's saying is, is now I have an answer for my enemies. And my answer for my enemies is not, not look what I've done, but it is God has done this for me. My mouth boasts in my God. And Paul says, if I'm going to boast about anything, I'm going to boast about God. And this is her boast. She says, there is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. There's no one holy like the Lord. There's no one like you. There's no rock like our, our God. There is, there is no one like our God. No one is, he is unmatched compared to everyone else. He is a rock. He is unchanging. He is stable. He is a solid foundation. There is no other foundation like him. God is our source. The second thing that that Hannah says throughout these verses is this, is God is in control. We can praise because God is our source. He's not going to ask anything from us that he doesn't give us. We have to look and understand that God is in control. I, I get we live in a fallen world. I get that we have free will. I get that we make decisions and things happen, but we also have to understand that we live in a world in which God reigns and rules. And that when we live in a world that, that even our mess-ups, he can shift, he can use to shape us, to shape those around us. Hannah says this, she says, for all the earth is the Lord's. And he sets the world in order. Everything is his, and he sets everything in order. And this is some of the things that she says. She says, God knows your actions, and he can judge. He makes the mighty weak. So those that think that they're strong, there comes a moment in their pridefulness, he makes them weak. Those that are weak, he makes mighty. He starves those that are full of themselves, right? He starves those that think they have it all, but then... He says he fills those who are starving. The barren woman has many children. The woman with many children wastes away. He brings some down to the grave and lifts others up out of the grave. He makes the rich poor and the poor rich. He lifts princes out of the dust and onto thrones. 
God is in control. And I think sometimes, maybe not you, but I know I do at times, as believers, we under like we don't understand how a good God could allow bad things to happen. We don't understand how certain things can happen if he's a good God and it feels bad and it seems like there's bad consequences and and we begin to doubt his nature. But I think there's also times when the good things happen in our lives, we are prone to think that maybe it just happened by chance and we forget to praise. But nothing in all of creation catches him off guard. Can I say this? Like the worst thing that you've experienced, and there are individuals in this room where they're sick in their bodies. There's individuals in this room that they've lost their job. There's individuals in this room that there's turmoil in relationships and there's lack. Can you just trust that none of it has caught God off guard? It's not surprised him in the very, very least. And if we trust that he is in control, that he will take whatever struggle we're going through to shape our character into his and to make us stronger and bring us closer to him. I was talking to one of our staff members this week and just through email and text, and he reminded me of a thought that from a series from a couple of years ago, and it's hard to believe like I can say like a series from a couple of years ago, um, but when we think that, that God is in control, remember this, it's not on the screen, but that, that nothing is wasted in his hands. That nothing you experience or go through when we trust that God is in control, nothing is wasted in his hands. At the same time, nothing is withheld from his hands. Every good gift comes from him. He will not withhold it if we're asking with the right motive. James, brother, the brother of Jesus, says this. He says, you have not because you ask not. And when you ask, you're asking with the wrong motive. But when we come and we ask with the right motive and the right attitude, nothing is withheld from his hands. And so when we think that God is in control, remember that, like nothing is wasted. There is nothing that you've experienced in life that is wasted when it's in his hands. There is nothing that you need that will be withheld from his hands when we seek him first. He's in control. The last is this, is, is God is victorious. And the last part of this praise is actually a little bit prophetic. She says this in verse nine, he will guard the feet of his faithful servants, but the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. It's not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be broken. The most high will thunder from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. There is no one that can come against God or his servants. Guess what we are? We are his servants. And understanding that our enemies are his enemies. And if he's been victorious over all of his enemies, then guess what we are over our enemies? Victorious. He will guard our feet says this, I will give strength to his king and exalt the horn. Again, I will give strength to his anointed one. Samuel, Hannah's son, would be 
the judge that would anoint the first two kings of Israel. And so you're thinking like maybe he's talking about the kings of Israel. This is his anointed one. Guess who his anointed one is? Christ. And so this is a, 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 a prophecy for the coming Savior for you and I, that, that, that it's in him that we have all victory. It's in him that we have all sorts. It's in him that, that all control is given. She's pointing not backwards, but she's pointing forward to the one who will rule all eternity, and that is Jesus. And so for this I pray. I was reading over some of those this morning again and praying over and as people are needing healing in their bodies. There's a lot of prayer requests for restorations and families and loved ones to come into relationship with, with Christ and spiritual growth. And, and Hannah is praising about everything that she's received and is given back. And, and I want there to be praises to come from testimonies of what God does. And, and this is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. For as many as the promises of God in Christ, and this is the Amplified Version. I loved how the Amplified Version said it. For as many as are the promises of God in Christ, they are, what does that say? They are what? All answered. How are they all answered? Yes. All of God's promises, as many as they are, that we find in Scripture from New Testament all the way back to the Old Testament, to prophecies that haven't been fulfilled yet, to the dreams and the desires that, that God has placed in your heart. They are there not just because you have a, have a great imagination. You may. You may be a very creative person, but those dreams and desires are not just in your heart just because you put them there. God has put them there. James says that, that he has given us the desires of our hearts. It says, for as many are the promises of God, they are, let's say that again, they are what? All answered. And they're all answered, yes, through Christ. But then it's also through him that we say our amen. The word amen just means so be it means yes, yes, and so be it, it is so. And so as we wrap up this series, here's, here's what we're gonna do. I wanna invite you to stand. Um, we're gonna take some time uh, here at the end of service, and I'm gonna ask my coordinators, and if you're a prayer team member, um, and you're here today, would you go to the back? Uh, we're gonna take some time, and we wanna pray not just over you, but we wanna pray with you. I mean, I know it's gonna be a little crowded back there, but I just really feel like this is how I want to, how we are to end this series. I'm going to invite the band to come back up. Um, we're just going to have an, just a few more moments of, of worship and prayer and believing that God will move on our behalf. But as we're praying and believing, I want us also to be praising that God is our source that he is in control and that he is victorious and that victory is ours. This, everything that we have is ours in Christ alone. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I wanna pray. And then as the, the team leads us in worship,
I want to invite you as you feel led to be bold, to be brave, to step out and allow one of our team members to pray with you in the back. So Father, we just come to you this morning. We thank you for such an incredible time in your presence. Um, God, I thank you that your word is moving in us, that your spirit is leading and guiding us. God, I know that there are many prayer requests that have been written down over the last couple of weeks, but I know that there are many more that are in our hearts and maybe some that we've not spoken to anyone, but you know, your word says that you know even the very words we're gonna say before we speak them. And God, as we go into these next few moments, I just pray that um, as your word says that um, we're to bear one another's burdens, that we're to rejoice with those that are rejoicing, to mourn with those that are mourning, God, that we would, we would act as your body, that we would be the church and lift each other up in prayer and believing that you hear these prayers and that you will answer these prayers. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Everyone says, amen. Let's worship. And as you feel led, our team's in the back to pray for you.